switch like this. Watch me flip the switch like this. Raised from the grave, time to wake up. Active in my faith, time to stay up. Watch me flip the switch like this. Watch me flip the switch like this. Man, I'm feeling good this morning, man. What? what what's had a had a good class last night, and that mess wears me out, man. I'm just tired of the class, man. So I had to force myself up this morning, but I feel good whenever I force myself to do something. I I, I feel <laughs> you on that, bro. I, I I'm running on fumes, low key. My daughter yeah. decided, well, so she was asleep, but my youngest son decided to wake her up by waking up in the middle of the night, and he was like, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if maybe his stomach was hurting or what. I don't know. He just woke her up, and because he woke her up, she was up for, like, basically the rest of the night going into the morning. Like, she was up until, like... I want to say close to six or something like that, or a little bit after six. So I was, I was, yeah, it was, it was, I, I probably only slept for maybe like 30 minutes, bro. Like, yeah. And that's no exaggeration. Like, yeah. I, like, I, I, see I, that, I, I see that gray hair coming out the middle of your beard. Yeah, man. That guy, <laughs> the people can't see it like that too good. You know, <laughs> they, they, they see you better than they see me. <laughs> hey, man. So, so. Uh, real quick, uh, but I, my my son, I'm glad. Like he was the first baby I seen like with a legit bedtime. He always went to sleep uh-huh. at night. Like he woke up, he would wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes like any other baby, but it's always for a short period he went to sleep. My daughter, she had no sleep, no chill, no sleep. So I know that I know that feeling, man. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so this I think this is the first time I've actually like had to be up pretty much like cuz I, I I initially initially I want to say I went to sleep. I went to sleep after everybody else cuz I had my daughter um Wait, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I had her. She finally went to sleep last night and then I gave her to my wife. This was like two in the morning, and then I was supposed to go. I was getting ready to uh, go sh- uh, uh, get myself ready for bed and everything, kind of like prep for for this for this morning and everything. And as soon as I'm about to like get in the shower and everything, it was like my son decided to wake up. So I'm like, dang, he ain't going back to sleep. So I was like, well, let me go out there and help him get back to sleep. He didn't want me. He wanted his mom. So I was like, okay. So I tried to get him. He made so much noise, man. My daughter woke up, and that was a wrap. So I, I, I think when I went, I I was, like, barely sleeping on and off uh, when I gave it. Because my, my daughter, she'll, like, kind of, like, be fussy. And she fights her sleep, like, real bad. Like, I feel like she's worse than both of my sons were. When they used to fight, they sleep. I feel like she's the worst. And, um, so, we, uh, I went ahead and gave her to my wife so she could feed her, and she would not, 
Well, no, I think she did, like, go to sleep, kind of. But you know how, like, they don't fully fall asleep, so then when you kind of move them, they, like, kind of, like, wake up out of that. So yeah. it's like, ah! So I You'd be scared. You'd be scared to move them. <laughs> yeah, man. So... And my, and my, I would, I, I would venture to say my daughter is the most sensitive um, at this age, way more than both of my sons were. Like, my oldest, he he's so not sensitive, he could sleep through anything. Even at that age, he could, like, sleep, sleep through anything. Then my youngest son, he you kind of have to watch him. But he eventually, like, even before he was one, he would uh, start sleeping through stuff, but my daughter, I'm talking about you can't. You know how you, um, you know how you get the signs on people's um, door, uh, crap, on people's door, uh, house house doors, on the oh, doors, yeah, yeah. the signs with the the do not disturb or don't knock because baby mm-hmm. sleeping or whatever. It's like that. And I'm like, oh, no. I didn't think we would ever have that baby. And sure enough, my daughter is that baby, bro. Yeah, man. You see, I was trying to get rid of my arms, man. <laughs> <laughs> I see hey. you fighting them over there. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I can't. Like, I can, visu- I can visually see what I was talking about, but for some reason, the the correct word would not come out my mouth. I was like, what is this? But yeah, so yeah, bro. So listen, man. Um, got our first segment of the episode, random opinion. Yeah. By yours truly. So well, I'm just going. <laughs> listen, I'm just gonna say it like this, man. And I actually put this out on on social media. I put this out to see like. Uh, well, I didn't necessarily put it out on the on the original post. I did put it out as far as to see what people would say is the greatest cereal of all time. Uh, okay. And then I got on uh, I got on the homie Mike from Generation Recovery. I got on his live one night, and um, we talked, and we mentioned greatest cereal of all time. So, I'm not talking facts, people, okay? I'm not talking facts. I'm just talking my opinion that may or may not be a popular opinion, okay? But my opinion that the greatest cereal of all time is Captain Crunch Berries. Yeah, see, the, what the, the fact are is that that's not true. <laughs> but I said it's my opinion, though. That's like that's like um that's like that chick Angel that's uh she's fr- she's a comedian. She's friends with Kevin on stage and Melissa. She said that Denzel was overrated. Now I didn't agree with that. I was like, whoa, like oh, I remember that argument. Ooh, I was like, I, I can't I couldn't even finish the video. I remember that. I could not finish the video. <laughs> I was like what did you like <sighs> So we're not going. Hey, but don't be trying to derail but, from what you just no, said. No, no, I'm not derailing. Right? But I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm making, I'm making reference to that because I feel like, based off of what's already been talked about 
on social media, I feel like me saying that about Captain Crunchberries is kind of like saying what she said. It's definitely <laughs> not that far-fetched. No, it's not not that bad. It's, it's not, not that bad, bad, for sure. It's not that cringeworthy. But I'm just saying, like, that's definitely, you know. Now, I will say this, though. Cinnamon Toast Crunch has come up a lot on social media to be the number one cereal of all time. Now, that's not my opinion, but I will say that it is top five, though. So, I'm going to tell you why I know that I'm old now. Because <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch was... Actually, I think I really liked Fruity Pebbles when I was really young. But for a long time, for me, Cinnamon Toast Crunch was a goat. Cinnamon Toast Crunch was the best cereal of all time. As I've aged, it's, it's Raisin Bear Crunch, man. It's <laughs> Raisin Bread. Raisin what? Bread Crunch. Oh, it's delicious. What? It is delicious. It's delicious. It's healthy. Hey, it's delicious. hey, it's healthy. hey, hey. Get off my phone. Get off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Raisin bread crust. It is a full, it is a whole breakfast. You got, you got the flakes, and then you got the almonds for the crunch or clusters, and then you got raisins for the help. Man, it's a full breakfast. Listen. Full breakfast. Listen, yo, you right. You was right. We gonna debate this. One. Listen, if you would have said almost any version of Special K was a goat, I would not be mad at you right now. Special K is cool. Special K, it's cool. It's good. It's good. I mean, it's good. It's not Razor Brand Crunch. It's good. No. Where where is your pastor, bro? <laughs> My pastor. <laughs> I'm reporting you to your pastor. There's no way you can be a licensed minister and <laughs> Hey man, I want my people to be healthy, man. I can't believe so I don't know how you made it into my inner circle. And I'm talking about my people, I'm talking about my inner inner circle. I don't know how you made it into my inner circle saying something like that. I should. I need to have an application for friends, and they have to take a survey from now on. <laughs> and one of the first things that's on that list is gonna be what do you consider to be top five cereals of all time? If you can say oh, Raisin Bran, like that's gonna be in the five. If, if you were doing the consensus and you just wanted the number one cereal, I would still probably pick Cinnamon Toast Crunch just because I still I can't even be mad I at that because it is a good cereal. It's a better cereal. Um. But definitely, if you had top five, oh, Razor Bread Crunch is in that discussion. You just got to be in there. It's probably my number two. Bro. <laughs> now, probably my number two. this is why, I, this is why Even I though say, I, I do miss French Toast Crunch. Ah, now, now you done redeemed yourself. Yeah, that was delicious. Ah, yes. Yes, that French Toast. That's the OG right there. Yeah. Ain't nothing like French the OG. Um, so listen. <laughs> Listen, let me explain why I say Captain Crunchberries. The original you Captain... Have an argument for this? Like, you have a stance for this? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> what? Who doesn't have a... St Who don't have a stance for why they consider any cereal to be the greatest of all time? You have to... Like, you can't claim something to be the greatest of all time and not have a stance for it. Like, not have an explanation for that. I just don't know why you have one for that cereal. <laughs> you don't have an argument. So I listen, I'm a, I'm a, it's going to make sense Wait, is it Crunch Whip Berries or Ultra Berries? No, the Crunch Berries. Oh, 
The original right, Crunch Berries, not the Oops Berries. Now, I ain't talking about that one. I mean, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Oops All Berries one, I love that one. When they first came out with that, I was, like, excited for it. Because, for me, the the berries is what makes the Captain Crunch Berries so great. That's what separates it from the rest of the series. Now, the OG Captain Crunch was a great cereal. Still is. So listen, so listen, so that's, that's why I, because I feel like Captain Crunchberries took it to the next level. Okay. Now listen, right. I need you to pay attention closely here. Captain Crunchberries and Captain Crunch for that matter, period, is quite possibly the only cereal that takes the longest to get soggy. Okay, I see that. I see that as a valid argument. I love the crunch in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that crunch. Yeah, crunch, that mess gets soggy in five minutes. <laughs> Not even. It gets soggy faster than that. You can't even eat it with a spoon. You just got to drink it as soon as you put it in the bowl. <laughs> that mess is gone. Hey, you know what I do, bro, to avoid, to avoid my cereal getting uh, soggy so fast, no matter what cereal it is? I don't. What? I don't allow my cereals to be under or on the same line as my milk. The milk only comes up so far. Yeah, like I'll put, I'll fill the bowl up halfway and then make sure that my cereal is really sitting on top of the. Now, obviously, it's not gonna, it's gonna, some of the milk is gonna obviously cover some of the cereal. Like especially like Frosted Flakes, I love Frosted Flakes, and I've noticed I didn't notice I didn't know because I haven't eaten it for a long time, so I didn't know that they actually took some of the, uh, the sugar away. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's actually less than what it used to be back in the day. Like mm-hmm. back in the day, it was way more. It's not as much anymore. So, but what I've always done with Frosted Flakes is I only let it go about about halfway to the cereal. Keeps it nice and fresh still. Keep that crunch going. The frostiness is there. All that nice sugar. I'm telling you, it's perfect. It's like it's the perfect cereal. That's in my top five right there too. Frosted Flakes. But I'm saying Frosted that to say, yeah, I can't argue with that. I'm saying that to say, even with Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I do feel like because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the type of cereal that it is, you gotta do more than just half the the bowl of cereal with the milk. Like you gotta almost come up to the top with it. But you know, you can still save save the cereal from being from getting soggy too fast. Right, right, right. So okay, but that now I will say too, because and somebody pointed this out, I was like, ah, that's a good point. Cinnamon Toast Crunch probably has the makes the best tasting version of milk after you're done with it. Like at the end of the cereal. Great argument. You know, I've never. And I didn't think about that. I was like, "Ah." I've been hearing argue argue what the milk tastes like after. Mm. And I agree with that. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Milk, uh, you could just put that in the cup for me. Right, for real. (laughs) I won't won't argue that. And so that's what made me think, like, ah, you know what? That's a top five cereal. Because it's good, it's very good tasting. And then that 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 aftertaste, well, the after the after milk taste, oh my God, superb! 
Yeah. Captain, and yeah, I, I will it, say. It, it, I can't think of a senior that compares with after milk day. It's got to be at the top. Right. I will say Captain Crunchberries does not, uh, um, it can't top that. It doesn't top that. I, I'm, I will gladly agree with that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a real one. I ain't going to try to make it seem like it's something that it ain't. But I am I am going to say that I just like the way that Crunch Berries taste better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Razor Bear Crunch, there's been a few uh, razors left over in the milk. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> you still feel oh, healthy man. when you're drinking the milk. <laughs> I will. Uh, all right, man. This, um, let's move on to our highlight of the week, man. Um, and I want to highlight Pastor Mike Todd and yes. Transformation Church. I love I love what they're doing. Uh, I, I say Mike Todd and Transformation Church because he def- everything he does is for Transformation Church. So I love the way he coupled his ministry uh, with his teaching. Like, you can't even separate him from it. You know, some pastors are known, but I don't really know. Like, I know T.D. Jakes, but I don't know much about Potter House's ministry, mm-hmm. you know? I know what Transformation Church is doing because he. It's everything that, that he talks about. It's everything that he stands for. Uh, so he loves his people. So I, I consider him a great pastor. His teaching is great also. Uh, I think they broke a record this year or early this year or late last year for giving. To the, uh, the yeah. Amount that yeah. Has ever if I'm given. not mistaken, it was like a, mil- a million. Yeah, something like that. I think it was like two million. It was a big yeah. number. It was a very large number. Like to the point they made the news. Yeah, they made the news. And to me, that that's amazing. You know what I mean? That's, that's spreading God's reputation of, of being a giver because the people are givers, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely, and I got a, a little bit of a testimony behind listening to him. Um, when I first started listening to him, it was the Crazy Faith series. Yeah, ah, oh, man. And, and it, it pushed me to start back really believing in some of the stuff that I had been asking for that I wasn't really moving towards anymore. You know, he, he pushed me back in that space to be like, no, if you with God, God told you to write this down, this is supposed to happen. If God told you to look forward to this, this is what you're supposed to be looking forward to. Just keep on prepping yourself, changing your life and growing so that you can meet that goal. So I'm mm-hmm. with Pastor Todd, man. Transformation Church. How, 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 how have they impacted you? Oh man, I would definitely say, and I didn't get, I didn't get through the entire Crazy Faith series. I think I probably got about halfway through it. That's a long series. And yeah, it is. It's a very. <laughs> I think he did it for almost thirty weeks. So something like that. I yeah. did about. So I think I was probably a little less than half. I, I was maybe just a little less than halfway through the series, but that series, bro has pushed me in my marriage has pushed me as just a man of faith in general it's pushed me as a father as a like everything that I am like it's it just overall just as a person overall my faith overall it's literally made me pay way more attention and and caused me to to think more intentional about my faith and actually to do to do more like yeah. intentionally not just be passive about like because that's one thing about being in the kingdom of god you can't be passive no you can't be passive aggressive like there there's no room in the kingdom of god for passivity like 
there's not none. <laughs> like, I don't care how you look at it. There's, there's no room for passiveness. Uh-huh. The Bible says that the, the kingdom of the kingdom of God is taken by force. Uh-huh. It's taken by the violent, which means you have to be aggressive. Which means you have to not only deal with your sin, but you have to also be intentional. Uh-huh. Like it's not just about dealing with sin and saying, "Oh no, leave, I'm gonna leave sin alone." No, it's also what are you doing to be productive? Like you have, like your faith has to be productive, and it does it. It works. Bible, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Right. So if I'm not working, if I'm not producing. I have no faith. Right. Because a faith is a sign or is the sign of your works. Right. So, it's the evidence, right? Absolutely. So, I'm with you on that. So, yeah, that, that that's my highlight of the week, man. Transformation Church. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> man, my, I, he just, um, he just had a video. He just had a video where he was apologizing. He was taking a moment to intercede. And I didn't get a chance to see the message for that particular Sunday. But I believe it was Easter Easter Sunday. And he was suited up too. Nice suit. Like I'm I'm looking forward to being able to dress like that one day. But, you know, but he, he interceded. He took a moment to intercede on behalf of believers who have hurt people to the point where those people who were hurt by them choose not to come to church, choose not to come and, and assemble with other believers. Right. Let me take this moment real quick to to clarify for people who think, oh, well, they're just making excuses or, oh, there's fake people or people that hurt them at their jobs or, you know, oh, this and oh, that. They're like the Bible clearly tells us and I have to I will go back and make sure I come back next week with the actual scripture that says this. But there is a scripture that actually tells us that because of us, because of believers, because of God's people, there are some people who have been hindered by us from coming to Jesus and being part of the kingdom of God. So it's not an excuse. I'm not saying that they don't have a choice in the matter, but what I am saying is, but because of that, that gives them a reason to say, I don't want to go. And because we give them the reason to, there's still some fault on our part. So we can't be mad or be bothered that people are saying, because I was hurt by this type of person, because I was hurt by the usher, or I was hurt by the pastor, or I was just hurt by somebody that goes to this church over here. Now, I don't want to go to church. Yeah. And, he and usually when we hear that, I feel like we more than we usually look at them and then try to tell them what they should change. 
mm-hmm. instead of us looking at ourselves and saying, well, we should change to make it more comfortable for them. Right. Yeah. We don't like to take fault. We we want to just say, oh, no, y'all, y'all, y'all got a choice in the matter. And, and again, they do. They absolutely do have a choice in the matter. But again, if if somebody hurt you, how am I supposed to be mad? Okay, I'll use this as, as an example. Let's say I hurt you, right? You my brother. And in some way, shape, or form, I betray you. I betray your trust. In a way that says... I don't want to go to church anymore because of the type of betrayal that was displayed. Uh Yes, there is a choice in the matter. And the devil is banking on people to allow those hurts and wounds and actions by other people to convince them in their minds and in their hearts not to ever go to church again. Not to ever be around other believers again. Right. But... At the same time, I have to take responsibility for what I did to contribute to that. Because in me doing that, I'm stepping away from my partnership with God and stepping into partnership, even if it's just for that moment, with the devil and working with him to help convince them to never come to church again. Whether that was my intentional thoughts or not, at the end of the day, that's what my actions said. Yep, you end up working for the wrong side. <laughs> and and so and it doesn't mean that I don't love God or the the offender doesn't love God or, but they just had a moment where they fell to their flesh and allowed their flesh to. I don't want to say overtake them because I I don't think it's that, but just they allowed their flesh to kind of run of. Uh, run rampant or take control for a little bit before they say oh no let me let me get myself together and so we got to take responsibility for for what we do we got to learn how to apologize even if we also like I believe we should also do what Mike Todd did take a moment you know what I got this social media platform let me take the time real quick to apologize. Let me intercede right now and apologize to every believer that, I mean, to, yeah, to every believer that was hurt by another believer. And whether they come to God in the form of the, the assembly of the church or not, that's not on me or that's not on us. We can't make that choice for them. But what we can do is try to help make it easier. Try to help help them to go through the healing process. Forgiveness, one way that it comes is through apologies and through that, that remorse. If I never hear that my offender was remorseful, if I never understand that they want forgiveness... And they want to make amends or whatever it is. I may never get to a point in my life in that particular area where I am willing to say, God, this is 
the area that I was offended and hurt in, but now I give it to you. Now, I'm not saying that that will never happen because God can really come in in a different way through another person or whatever and, and, and make it happen. But what I'm saying is some people look for closure and they want closure so bad from that person in particular that if they never get it, they'll never get healing. Yeah. So we got to learn how to, to how to accept that. Hey, I have a brother in, or and or a sister in the kingdom of God that offended somebody else, and now that that's now that that ha now that that's happened, they're hindered from coming because of them. Right. That's no excuse. Right. That's 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 not. That's just facts. Right. So today's episode is on identity of the church and self-identity, personal identity, and healing. And the reason why we're bringing this up today is because I wholeheartedly believe, we wholeheartedly believe that if people truly understood their identity, whether it's their own personal identity or even the, the identity of the church, there there wouldn't be as much hurt going on. Right. And there would be a lot more healing circulating. And that's what we need. We need the land to be healed. And the land is the people. We have to get healed. Hurt people hurt people. Uh-huh. And what that statement really is saying is, if I never get my healing and I remain hurt, somehow, some way, in some way, shape, or form, I'm going to hurt other people in that same area. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to admit. That's, that's, that's definitely what happened. I've done it. I've mm -hmm. been there. Didn't mean to at times. And sometimes, to, to be honest, I, I have. And I've had to go to God and ask God for forgiveness. But the truth of the matter is, if I decide to remain in a hurtful state, it is unavoidable to hurt someone else. Right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that today. What What is identity? So, if you... Go by the, the regular definition of identity is the, the characteristics that's associated with who you are with mm -hmm. somebody. Um, my personal experience, I'm about to break my life down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Let okay. y'all in just a little bit, a little bit today. Uh, I, I grew up poor, right? Mm. It's crazy. I had a crazy time even fitting in as a kid. When I was really, really young, I'm going to start really young. Mm -hmm. My situation was interesting, kind of unique. My, we, I grew up, I, I knew I was born in California, and I moved to Louisiana when I was like six years old. And I moved to Louisiana because my granddad, uh, he retired to Louisiana, and he got sick. So my mom went to Louisiana to go take care of my granddad. And when she got out there, she left. And she didn't have anything. You know, we, we pulled up with nothing. It was just her, me, and my sister. And 
we were in my granddad's house and she inherited the house. But the house that she inherited was in a neighborhood that was pretty suburban, you know? So when I started to make friends, I started to have friends, I was poorer than all my other friends, you know, because mm-hmm. I lived in a neighborhood where people were doing okay. But I didn't have the same amount of money that they had. I'm, I'm going to tell you how poor I was, man. It was, it was one point where my mom was working one day a week for one hour a week. And she had four kids. Sheesh. Four kids. One day a week for one. She was an aerobics instructor. And she it got down to the point where she was, you know, it's a lot of racism in Louisiana. So um, for black aerobics instructors, they were only allowing her to have one class for, for one day a week. Right? And I have no idea how we ate off that. Somehow, uh, somehow we survived. The love right? of a mother, bro. Right. <laughs> somehow we survived. So um, I dealt with that. That's 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 part of poverty. Like I, I didn't really understand how poor we was until I started to get older. I'm gonna show you. Oh, I'm gonna talk about how it kind of connected with another part of my life. The other part was I didn't have a father around. Right. Mm. My mom was a single mom. Right. So. Immediately, when I started to get into music, not as doing it, but listening to it, uh, my favorite rapper became Tupac early on. And a lot of times, if you heard probably some of my old messages, I say this a lot, like Tupac was my daddy. Because uh, <laughs> everything that he said, I, I identified with. So my identity uh, was part of his mindset. Those were the characteristics I started to take on was, who I was influenced by, which was Tupac. Uh, if he said F the police, I said F the police. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, every, everything that he felt, I felt because I, I didn't have no identity in the home to be given to me, right? And, you know, as you're growing up, identity is taught, right? You get taught who you are. Even in our relationship with God, God tells us what our identity is. That's how we believe who we are. Right. Uh, the question I asked on one of my podcast episodes, who told you who you were? Who told you that? Hey, you know? I love that episode. Right. It's, it's an interesting question. A lot of us don't know, but we know we got it from somewhere. Somebody taught us who we were. So early on, that's what I identified with. And that led me into gangs. It led me into uh a whole lot of fornication it led me into it led me into a whole lot of bad decisions in my life when i was younger because my dad was he ain't the greatest role model you know uh, mm-hmm. I, probably some tupac lovers listening to this and i i love to do myself but let's be real man not the greatest role model <laughs> 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 this is not the greatest role model for your life there's some aspects of the good but, uh-huh. you know so um Growing up, that that was my identity. I identified with that. That led me into gang life. Gang life became my identity after that. It it became a part of how I made decisions, right? So you know what your identity is if it garners your decisions, you know? So all all my decisions were based off of what am I doing uh, to show off the fact that I'm a part of this gang, you know? Uh, it, It led to, of course, a whole lot of bad decisions after that, but that was the identity that I had when I was growing up. So I struggled, like, hard, man. I struggled hard because I was looking for a father's you know, looking for a role model, and I didn't have it. And the streets ended up giving me that. The streets gave me that. Tupac gave me that. Uh, and at the same time, as I got older, 
and I started to get involved with gang life, I started to realize how poor I was then. Because I started to make friends with other people that had less, and we started to do stuff that people would less do. That's when I started uh, hitting licks and robbing people and stuff like that. All because of me trying to find out what my identity was and all the wrong things. Right? Uh, so that's how I struggled with it growing up. This is before I came to the church. I, I always noticed that the testimonies are different for people that grew up in the church and the people that, you know, came from the outside to the church. Like, my perspective was a little bit different on God from the people that was in the church. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but one of the first pastors that I was actually inspired by was the ex-game member. And, you know, so he was, he was a crip. Oh, uh, um, um, who is that? The, he's the one, he's, uh, he's one of the, he's, he's a pastor from Riverside, right? No, 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 it's not, it's not going to be somebody you know. He's a, oh, he's shoot. in Louisiana. Oh, he's okay. Oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, he was one of the first pastors that I identified with. And it was because, like, he showed that side of him still. I didn't say, like, he acted like a gangbanger, but you can tell that he was from the streets like, as he preached, as he talked. And so early on, I already knew before I even started, like, really trying to follow God that that part of you that maybe judge harder or that part of you that people don't like is that same part of you that God uses to reach people. True. I was raised by him because I still saw that side of him. Like, oh snap. He came from the streets. I can still hear it in his talk. I still see it in his speech. But he loved God. You know, he, he, he still came from there, but still living different, right? He's not a part of the lifestyle anymore. So that kind of helped me connect. Uh, how did you How did you deal with identity growing up? For me, identity was very foreign. And. Mm. That might sound strange to some people because I had both parents in the house and even to the degree of just having a village around me. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in church, had um, family on both sides, always there basically. When I when I when I say that, I'm saying like I know my family. You know what I mean? Like there are there are some cousins that I don't know because. They're, like, much older. They don't come around. Stuff like that. But in the general sense, I know, like, I could say I probably know about a good 95% of both sides of my family if I don't know everybody. And so having a village around, you would think, honestly, that identity wouldn't be a crisis for you. It wouldn't be an issue for you. But to be honest... Identity was a very big issue for me. I didn't know who I was as a person. I didn't know, honestly, even what identity was, to be honest. I didn't even have an understanding that we all have our own identity and we all have an identity in Christ together. Mm -hmm. I think on some level I did know because one thing that I always hated growing up, I, I used to play drums growing up in church. And people would tell me so often, and I couldn't stand it. 
oh, listen to this drummer. Listen to how they play this song. And they didn't mean any harm. They actually meant very well. And looking back, it's like, oh, that's not what they were talking about. It wasn't trying to compare me to them. They were just saying I could learn something from them and then and then figure out how to apply it to my style of playing. But because that wasn't broken down for me, I just internalized it in my own way. Oh, I'm not them. Why are you trying to get me to play like them and be like them? And so I guess on some level I did have an understanding, but it had to I think it had to be somewhere in my unconscious my subconscious cuz Consciously speaking, I had no understanding of identity. I had no idea about identity. So, for me, it was a huge struggle. I think it wasn't really until 2011 that I actually started to learn identity, what it is, and who I am, and things like that. It wasn't probably until a couple of years after that. Yeah, it probably wasn't until about 2013, 2014 when I really started to venture out. And this going to probably sound strange coming from me, more particularly because I'm a man and then a black man at that. But I began to, I began to date myself. And what I mean by that is I began to get to know myself. I began to get to know what is it that Mark likes? Music, TV shows, movies. What do I like? Not what does everybody else like. Not what is everybody else's favorite team. Not what is everybody else's favorite movie. Not what is everybody else's favorite music. What music do I like? What TV shows do I like? What, what do I like? What's my favorite color? And so I began to explore that. I would listen to Chris Brown. I would listen to things that weren't Christian or gospel. Because I knew all that. I know, I know, I mean, I don't know it like some other people do. But I mean, I know it. You know what I mean? So I would get to know, okay, I would listen to it. Like, I would go out to the movies. I would treat myself to the movies and go out to eat by myself and get comfortable with being by myself and learning who I am. I've taken myself out to eat a lot. I've never taken myself to the movie. Hey. How is that experience? I've always thought about it like, Bro. what is going to be like sitting in that big old theater by myself? What is that like? It For me personally, and I think it just depends on the person and the preference. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. not everybody's going to enjoy a movie by themselves. But then mm -hmm. you might enjoy the beach by yourself. You get what I mean? Right, right, right. So right, for right, me... Right, right. How I found out about me loving to go to the movies by myself, and and I mean I love to go with people too. Like I go with my dad and my brother, not often, but we'll go. Like if there's a if there is a Marvel movie, for instance, and we know it's coming out soon, I'll hit them up, or my brother he'll he'll say something, or my dad he'll say something if we're on the phone or something like that, and we'll try to plan for it to go see it. Even if we don't necessarily go opening weekend, but we'll just plan, we'll try to plan to go see it. So, mm -hmm. it was one Saint, one Sunday in particular. I'm not going to state the situation or anything like that. But it, was a, it was a particular Sunday. I think this was 2010. It was 2010. And there was a situation that happened. I was pissed off. I was angry. 
and I couldn't, it, it had nothing to do with my family. So when I say that, I want people to think like, oh, what happened? I, I couldn't be in the house. Like I had to get out, right? Uh-huh. So as soon as I got home that, that particular day, I got myself changed up and, and, and I just left. Just went out the house. I don't even know if I even told my, my parents or my brother or my sister where I was going. I just just got off the house and I left. Went to downtown Long Beach. I just went to the movie. I just, I, that was the only thing I could think to do. It, I couldn't think of nothing else. I couldn't think to even go to my favorite cousin at the time. Like, I couldn't think to hit him up. Well, I don't want to say my favorite cousin because I got a lot of favorite cousins. But this particular cousin, he's like a big brother to me. So, couldn't think to go to him, call him up. I'll, so, I headed out, went to the movies. And I did talk to one person. I did talk to a cousin on my dad's side that day. But outside of that, I just I went to the movies, got on the train, the blue the blue line, and took it from the comp station on down all the way to the end, go, went to the movies, and I actually enjoyed it. It... And and from that day, it was like, yo, I like the movies by myself. Like I can go there with or without you. It don't matter. So, um, for me, I love the movies by myself. It's a place that I can yeah. go to by myself and enjoy it, or it's a place I can go to and enjoy movies with somebody else. It's like I will say this: it's easier to pick a movie when you by yourself, though. Ah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is easier to pick a movie when you're by yourself because you don't have like if there's a movie that somebody else like for instance if there's a movie that my wife might want to see and then there's mm-hmm. a movie that I want to see but we only got enough mm-hmm. for one movie we gotta figure out who we gonna go with you know what I mean right. so it's like and if I don't really want to see that movie I'd rather see my movie versus her movie, and she'd rather see her movie versus my movie. That 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 can potentially. I'm not gonna say it will be a clash, but it could potentially be a clash. Then it's you know. So, and that's not a bad thing. That just that's part of marriage. Whatever. Yeah, it's part of marriage. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if I'm by myself, or even if I got one of my sons with me. Which right now I'm not taking them back to the movies no more <laughs> until <laughs> they get old enough. Cause they both they both almost had me leave the movies over and I was I was gonna be mad. So but I love my sons. But anyway <laughs> So I can go pick a movie by myself though and I'm good. Like I could just like oh yeah, this is exactly what I, what I wanna see. I can for the most part I can go at the time I wanna see it. I don't have to wait on nobody to get ready. I could just like, oh, I'm about to get ready. You know, I'm going this day. If I plan, a, especially if I plan ahead of time, tell my wife, hey, listen, babe, this day I'm going to the movies. This time, movie starts at this time, blah blah blah. As long as we good, I'll go. You know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, man, it's you get to pick a movie, and you ain't gotta, <laughs> you ain't gotta have no contention I, about that. I feel you on that. So I, I think. You know, back to that conversation about identity, I, well, we all, you know, we try to find identity in different cultures and communities. That's that's why culture and community is so powerful, man. Uh, So whatever culture and community that you choose to try to find identity in, you start picking up the characteristics of that culture. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, 
gang culture. I wanted to fit in gang culture. I wanted the community. So I wanted to be a part of the culture. So I wanted to do the things that they did to fit into the culture. Yeah. Um, had me committing crimes because I'm trying to fit inside of that culture. Had me fighting people, losing friendships quickly, right? Because I wanted to fit inside of that culture. Uh, I've tried to find my identity in sex. Right, a mm-hmm. lot of men do that. Right, so I'm, right. I'm trying to add trophies to my bedroom list. Right, so you, uh, I, <laughs> one of the things that I always tell men when I counsel couples is that you know, one of the reasons why sex becomes so important in marriage is because a lot of men grow up having sex being one of the only moments that they get true affirmation. Right. So they try to find their right. identity in it because it's one of the one things that they feel like they, they can win at. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm good at this. So uh, it becomes important in marriage when they don't have it no more, when they're still looking for it. Then they start to look for it in the wrong way. But yeah, a lot of men try to find their identity in that and having more sex. Uh, so I was also in that category. And I believe that, you know, as I grew up, let me kind of fast forward through that part of me being outside of the church to in the church. Mm-hmm. When I got to the church, man, it was crazy. Culture shock. Man, crazy. Because, <laughs> well, for one thing, this is weird. This is going to sound weird, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you understand this. A lot of church people don't like church people. They talk about each other so much. I mean, it, 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 it's crazy. I mean, even me now, still to this day, you know what I mean? I, I still, even in a lot of my teachings, have to address church people, but I do it because I'm a part of the church. You know what I mean? I want us to grow. Right. It's not that I'm just pointing out other people's wrongs, but when I was growing up, I mean, when I got introduced really to the church, because when I was growing up, I was a Christmas and Easter church person. Like, I went on Christmas and I went on Christmas, you know what I mean? <laughs> My mind didn't really go like that. Like I, I remember going um, at another time when I was dating this girl, but I was really just going for her, you know. Uh, so I, I really wasn't like <laughs> in the church. So when I decided to move out the house and I really started following God and being in the church, it, it reminds me of uh, D1 when he was talking about uh, Christian culture as far as music is concerned, Christian hip hop, uh-huh. and he was saying weird because like a lot of people in Christian hip hop are trying to get out of it. They're trying to leave the community to go on to the secular hip hop, you know? And he's like, I'm trying to get into it. I'm out here by myself. Why do y'all want to leave y'all community for a community that don't match what y'all believe? I'm confused. You know, so I was like that with church. But I noticed a lot of people that grew up in church, they're trying to fight their way out of it. Like they're trying to fight their way out of church culture. And, I mean, now that I've been for a while, I see, you know, I see a lot of the reasons why. Go ahead. You was about to say something? Yeah, on that real quick. Let me just step in with that. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like when you see people come from out of state and they Mm -hmm. go tour Hollywood, they want in. Yeah, yeah. People want in Cali. People are like, oh, man, Cali this, Cali that. People want to see Cali so bad. Because of everything that's displayed on TV and movies mm-hmm. in Hollywood, right? I think it's the same thing. People see, not everybody, but people see from the outside what the church looks like, right? Like, not every church, not every 
not everyone's experience with church has been bad. Right, right. Some people will go to uh, Mike Todd's church, and that's the only church that they've ever been to. When they get there, it's like, oh, my God, this is church? Oh, I'm going to stay. I'm coming. I'm coming in. Then you hit other spots, and it's not like that. But before that, even, they get to Mike Todd's church. They get to T.D. Jake's church. They get to, you know, somebody's church, and they're like, oh, my God, this is church? Oh, I got to stay here. I'm coming in because of their experience from what, you know what I mean? Like, if they never had necessarily another bad experience, they don't know. So for the people on the inside, right, they're like, yo, especially if they've been under all-time holiness, right? All-time holiness, for those that don't know, is basically preaching on heaven or hell and that's all you hear and <laughs> and it's just no 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 you can't do this you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that you can't do that you know what i'm saying like and it gets like a broken record so people want out and people want out so bad because it's a religion it's not kingdom if right. people understood if people were consciously part of the kingdom of God, they would never want to leave. Exactly. And that's what I that's what I was about to say. I under as I as I've been inside the church culture for a while, now I understand why they're fighting their way out. It's because they not getting kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean I I was I even still reflect on my own teaching. Um hold on real quick. Uh I still reflect on my own teaching. Because the Bible just looks totally different to me now. Like as I start to understand uh, what the kingdom of God really is. Yep. Um, yeah. And let me let me speak on that for a minute too, because I I think I'm I can help some people with that. That kind of if you change the way your concepts are uh, for what it is that you're reading. A lot of times, I think that a lot of pastors do this because this is church culture. Mm -hmm. When I used to, when I first started teaching, and when I first started going through the Bible. You know what I consider good verses? Every verse that made me feel bad. <laughs> if it made me feel bad, I was like, "Woo, this is a good one." <laughs> oh, this this is a hard one. Ah, oh, this makes me feel bad. You know? Oh man! <laughs> I I didn't realize that I was mixing up guilt with conviction. I didn't yeah. really understand. I was trying to find conviction. But I was settling with guilt, you know what I mean? If it made me feel guilty, if it made me feel ashamed, I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's, I need to talk about that one. Like, that's, that's a cool one, right? Most and people now do I look those. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I still do those, but now I look at those as opportunities to do good, you know? Yeah. Uh, but those at first was just an opportunity to say, don't do something. And I felt like that was that's the entirety of our message anyway, right? To tell people not to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I myself was a believer, not knowing what to do, just knowing what not to do. I just had a whole bunch of don't do's, but I had nothing to do after. All right, so that's it. I was depressed for a lot of those years. My, my early teaching and my early like entrance into the church, I was depressed a lot of those years because I was just fighting sin all day. You know, yeah. I, didn't, I had nothing left to do but fight sin all day. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, my concepts had to change, and that's 
that's the same, that's along the same lines of identity. So when my concept started to change, my identity inside of what it means to be a part of the church changed. You know, I changed my identity inside of the church, and it had to change, man. Because that that looking for that, and I, I would imagine that if that's all you hear all your life, what not to do, then you always gonna feel like you can't do nothing, and then you'd be fighting for the chance to do something. You mm-hmm. know, just like any, any child that rebels against their parents or something like that. He's just fighting for the chance to be able to do something, to get out of it. So I get that. Um, one of the things that me and my wife always talk about, uh, you know how you mentioned the whole Cali thing? Yeah. I, like, I'm from Louisiana, and I've been out here for about 10 years, and I don't see how anybody could want to leave. <laughs> my wife decides, like, yeah, I just, I want to go here. I'm like, why? Let me put this out there. Why did you want to leave Louisiana? There's nothing to do. I ran out of things to do. I, I, I came to Cali for opportunities, but, mainly. But here's why you ran out of things to do, because you grew up there. Yeah. I, you see I, what I'm saying? I, like, I know. I, that's, what, that's what my wife says. But I'm like, I be still finding stuff that she ain't did yet. I'm saying, I'm still finding stuff. But see, that's what happens when somebody is sheltered, and I'm talking about myself, your wife, and anybody else, and Bree, I know Bree, so I can talk mess low key. But, <laughs> but the thing is, when you have people who only go so far, mm-hmm. in 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 the in the vicinity, or in the community, or whatever, it like Francis, I've. Well, like, I've only really been to Compton, L.A. Like, San Bernardino was the furthest I really started to travel. And then that's what started to really expand my my view of things after I moved out here. Before that, I didn't really go anywhere like that. I've been to San Diego before when I was still living in Compton. I've been to the San Diego Zoo. I went to Laughlin, Nevada before. I've been to Vegas before. But... Overall, I was very much sheltered. And that's not completely a bad thing. But I'm pointing that out to say you get tired of the same old, same old when that's all you grew up with. So it's like, oh, I want out. I want out. Like, honestly, there's a part of me that just wants to leave Cali and never come back. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm even willing to go to somewhere like Canada. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just me. Yeah. But that's because of there's... For one, there's so many different memories here, good and not so good for me in Cali. And then I've never even been to, like, the Bay Area like that. Like, I went one time when my sister was visiting a a university out that way. And that was just to go pick her up. So I think we stayed overnight one night, and that was it. And me, my brother, and I think my dad, we all drove up there and back. But it's like... I never had any significant amount of time to go out there, be out there, see what it's like, and then come back. So right. it's like, oh, I don't want Cali. Because in in a, in a way, it's like in my mind and in the mind of shelter people, Cali is only so much. So it seems smaller than what it actually is. And we're just like, oh, we want that. Oh, uh, okay. You know, okay, so, so it's the same yeah. thing for people that live. Because to me, it's huge. 
<laughs> exactly. But that's because you're from Louisiana. If, if it was somebody from New York, they they now not everybody, obviously, but you got some people, they've only been so far in New York, they want out. They wanna go to New Jersey, they wanna go to Florida, people wanna go to um Charlotte, people wanna go Carolina. You know, well I just that's <laughs> my bad. But you know what I mean? Like people want to go to different other states and countries. I would love to go visit other countries, because yeah, like, I do want to do that. Yeah, like so, the pictures I've seen and even stuff like in in Fast in the Fast and Furious series, they've been to like D Dubai and stuff like that. I'm like, yo, it looks pretty dope out there. Like I would love to go see what that looked like. I've met somebody from out that way. I can't remember which country or which part of that country for that matter. I want to say it was somewhere like Dubai or something like that, and they showed me a picture. I was going to the L.A. Film School at the time, and I seen them on the train or whatever, and I don't know how we got to talking or whatever, but he showed me a picture, and I was like, yo, like, from where he's from, like, his home. I was like, man, like, it looks so amazing to me. So it was like, Yeah, when man. Snapchat first came out, me and my wife used to have some nights. Nice we was like, let's go on vacation. We just go to Snapchat. <laughs> And look at people in different countries showing videos of where they're at. I was like, oh, <laughs> dope, you know? But, like, my wife be talking about it, like, ah, I just want to leave LA one day. And I'm like, she's like, the cost of living is so high. I'm like, well, we need to make more money. Because I ain't going nowhere. I love that. <laughs> That's for real. I'm here. Hey, we're going to have to do a part two, bro. We did. We only got to, like, halfway of this. And I don't want to, I want to respect people's time, for sure. So we definitely going to have to do a part two. But what we'll do is we'll pick this up next week and we'll really get into a little bit more into identity and then get into healing because that, that's, you know, that's the, the, the home run right there that that people need to, like, really hear about. But I will say this. Right. Let me just touch on this. And you can mention something if you want to. Healing is something that we all need. I don't care who you are. If you've lived on this earth long enough, I want to say if you've lived on this earth at least 10 years or more, we all, you need healing in some way, shape, or form. Even if it's not a large amount of healing, but you need healing. Right now, during this quarantine, is the perfect time to revamp your life and in the process, start your healing process. Start detoxing. Like, I don't think people have a real understanding that detox is part of the process for healing. Like, when you detox, you're healing. You're resting up. You're getting restored. It goes hand in hand. You're not getting one without the other. This quarantine is the perfect time to take time to not only get your book done, your, your project done, your video project done, your audio project done... It's not only the time to spend time with your wife and your kids or your family, your parents, whoever you live with. This is also the perfect time for self-reflection, the perfect time to detox and heal. You got anything you want to say? Because I don't want to get, like I said, I don't want to get too much into it. We're going to definitely dive into it next week. But you got anything you want to tell the people, man? Right. So just, you know, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of you and... Hopefully this is a great cliffhanger for y'all to come back next week. Yeah. Because I also believe that once you heal, that you gain a new identity. Because what we do is, most of our lives, we identify ourselves 
with our hurt. We identify ourselves Ooh, with our good. pain. It becomes our identity, right? So you got to learn how to live healed. How do I live as this? How do I identify as the healed person now? Right? We're going to talk about that next week. I yeah. got some stuff for it. So listen, y'all come back next week. Help us flip the switch. Listen, in between time and in the meantime, go check out the first episode. Okay? We talked a little bit about prayer, about structure and order for your life. We talked about this quarantine and about what I just even mentioned, that this is the perfect time to take time for yourself and get things done, get the business started, get, you know, audio projects done, video projects done, uh, write that book or start writing those poems and spoken words, whatever it is, write the songs, whatever it is, start, start on that now. Even if, you know what I mean, you only do one thing, but just start, just start something, take that first step and... We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk more about identity. We're going to dive further into identity and get more into healing. And then we're going to jump the following week over to something else. But listen, come back next week. Flip the switch with us. In the meantime and in between time, hit us up on Instagram, social media, YouTube, Facebook. Email us. Um, I'm going to come up with an email for this, and I'll make sure I post it online. But you can email me. We at want Marcus. feedback and we want ideas. We want feedback yeah. and ideas. And topics. We want it all. Yeah. Even you can even hit uh hit me up in the SoundCloud um messenger. Well not messenger, it's not a SoundCloud messenger, but just hit me up in the message box on SoundCloud, because it's also be posted on there, as well as Apple Podcasts, so you can leave a review on there, leave questions and comments for that matter as well. It's open to, to everything. Everything from comments to questions, concerns, whatever. Just just give us some feedback so we know that we on the right track. At the end of the day, this is not just our podcast. This is y'all podcast. This is the podcast where we flip the switch on everything. I don't care what it is. We're going to talk about it, taboo topics and all. Listen, come back next week. Have fun with us. Hang out with us. We out. All right, let's go. Since I put the emphasis on the infinite, took my pain, flipped that in the blue.